Hello, Erica. Hello, Steven. You're sleepy. I can barely keep my eyes open. That's okay. We're here to talk about episodes three and four of the Highlanders. Yeah, it's 12.37 a.m. Two episodes was overly ambitious. A little bit. I wanted to finish this story. We haven't done a two-episode Lazy Doctor Who in a really long time, Mm -hmm. and I felt that not enough happened in episode three to warrant an episode (laughs) unto itself, so that's all we pressed on to episode four. That is true. Episode three was, yeah, not, not a ton happened. It was still nice, but yeah, it didn't feel very eventful. No, like uh, the episode started with um, Trask threatening the prisoners and then they were prisoners and then Ben um, got apparently drowned at the end. Mm-hmm. But nothing else really happened. Like Polly and uh, and Kirsten didn't, or Kirsty didn't really do anything else and the doctor was kind of there and then went to sleep. And if he went to sleep, then you know the episode's not entirely <laughs> eventful. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah I think it was just a lot of uh, Trask overacting. <laughs> are ye dogs are yeah he was uh, it, so- it sounded like he was having fun with it so mm-hmm. good for him yep. mm-hmm. and he fell overboard in the episode four uh, before we go on though there are some things that we some matters that we have to attend to a last episode because we're lazy we didn't take notice of this uh, was our 100th episode <laughs> of Lazy Doctor Who. Yay, 100 episodes. That's right. And uh, so I guess now it's 101, which is a palindrome, which is even cooler. So yeah. happy 101st, dear. Happy 101st, also dear. <laughs> um, second, after the last episode, which is a few days ago now, uh, there was considerable Twitter uh, traffic based on something that I said off the cuff in the last episode and, and so far that I think that when like when Polly says oh Algernon F- Finch for Finch double F two F's two F's. she said double F I think did she or did she say- I believe she said two F's okay uh, and I, I said possibly jokingly um that this is the only instance that in Doctor Who history that someone mentions a pr- the production code of the story in in the actual dialogue in the episode. Uh, and low did Twitter go back and forth with the the mostly British male uh, sector of the fandom trying to come up with other examples and most of them settling on, well, surely they say A, or ah uh, in an earthly child a lot of the times which doesn't count no. if you're saying uh no. that's not that's uh yeah. like you know uh uh-uh. uh mm-hmm. sorry yeah uh and then they went through b and c mm-hmm. and everything else but let's look at it this way the only non um single alphabetical mm-hmm. production code mm-hmm. i think potentially yeah or the only time perhaps that they actually mention the letter because sure, they say B, meaning the word B. Yeah. Yes, they say C, meaning you know to visualize with one's eyes or mm-hmm. the thing that yes. you sail on. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's possible that in one of the other episodes they they mentioned the letter you know D or E or F or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think that uh, the fact that not only is the letter mentioned, but it's you know the two Fs yeah. is called out. I think that's you know it may not have been on purpose, but it might have been because that's kind of a uh, <laughs> you don't think so? I absolutely do not think so. One hundred percent, I do not think so. 
Uh, I just think it's funny. Perhaps uh, the Vord when he gets uh, knifed in the back and falls into that vat in episode one of the Keys of Marinus. Perhaps if he went e into the, but he doesn't actually do that even. No, that would be pronouncing. That would not be mentioning <clears throat> yeah, a letter yeah. unless, yeah, you know, that Vord's favorite letter was e. <laughs> And he's very sad that he's going to die, so he can never yeah. see or write uh, or or say the, the letter E again. So he calls it out. Sadly, I'm Man. I'm so tired. You see how many? Uh, oh, it's, it's a lot of work being a Doctor Who fan trying to get to things. So anyway, double F. Uh, and a third thing, I remember two I F's. two S. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, I was talking about last episode, I think, about the writers, I think, and also when Jamie became a companion. And and this was written by Elvis, Elwin James, or Jones. Elwin Jones? Elwin Jones. Elwin. Uh, initially, it was written by him. He said, yeah, sure, I'll write a thing on the, on the Islanders. <clears throat> but then by the time it came for him to actually write the, the story, uh, he had been seconded on some other show to write about that. So this thing was pretty much a page one <clears throat> rewrite by Jerry Davis, uh-huh. full stop. But early on in the in the planning stages of this story, it was uh, Ennis Lloyd, the producer, and Jerry Davis, the script editor and, and writer, sort of came upon the character of Jamie. And they sort of thought, you know what? This character might be a potential companion. So they actually took great care in casting mm-hmm. him. And they shot the the early footage like all the stuff like on the boat deck and in the water and stuff and i think on location as well they shot that like uh before they videotaped anything and then they realized i think they stopped filming at like november 16th and like five days later they went back and shot the last tardis scene again except with this this time with jamie actually going into the tardis so in the space of like five days after initial filming they decided yeah we want him as a companion so so originally they were writing the character thinking yeah. we might want him to be a companion and then after they cast him they changed their mind and weren't sure? No, I think they were just uh they 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 cast someone who they they liked in the in the uh cha- on the off chance mm-hmm. or the, with the pen- potential of him becoming a companion. They wanted to see him in action perhaps a little bit more, see how he actually meshed with the cast and everything like that. And then once they saw that he was getting along very well with them, they uh they cast him as a companion. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Jamie went off into the TARDIS at the end of this. It's interesting because I don't feel like Jamie really does very much in this story. Right? He's just sort of there as a hanger on. So it actually makes sense to me that they would have thought this might be a potential companion because that's the only useful thing he does in this story is that like it introduces him. Yeah. He ha- He's not uh, particularly helpful in any other place. So... So yeah, it looks it looks like it's it's just a setup role as opposed to a role that's useful to cuz like if he didn't join in the end, like he might as well have gotten killed off. Like mm-hmm. what's what's the point of him? I don't know. He, he in it's odd in in the early episodes it feels like he's going to be more important mm-hmm. of a character perhaps cuz we know he's going to be a companion. We sort of like we notice him when he comes on, but like <clears throat> episodes 3 and 4 he is basically just a prisoner. And he only stays behind when all the rest of the Highlanders go off to France to sort of help the Doctor and, and the time team get back to the TARDIS. And he doesn't really have a good reason for that either. He just says, <laughs> yeah. oh, they'll never catch me. Oh, I didn't. I 
thought my luck would be better, um, you know, in the woods or whatever, in the highlands than on the boat with yeah. all of the other people that I know in my life. This doesn't make any sense at all, uh, except that, you know, this Jamie guy isn't so bright, but he's fallen in love with a doctor. I guess so. But even even then, it's not like they've had any any scenes together in the last two episodes, you know? That's true. Yeah. So weird. It's yeah. It's just like it. It's a uh, it's plot convenience. Like it's done for, because the writers wanted it done that way. Why does Jamie leave the boat? Because the script says so. Yeah, pretty much. And you know, little does Ben know that uh, <laughs> half your lines, mate, are going to be given over to this new guy over the next few few episodes. So don't look so cheery now, Mister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tee. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, uh, what else did you like about this this episode? What else do you remember about this episode? There's a bunch of sword fighting there in the climax in episode four. I totally checked out. I know. Y- you know how I feel about fight scenes. And fight scenes you can't even see are... <laughs> actually, maybe yeah. fight scenes you can't see are even are a little bit better for me right. because then I can just zone out. I don't mm-hmm. even have to be, you know, I don't have to pay attention to what's happening on the screen. Right. Uh, it was nice to have... Uh, to have Fraser Hines sort of narrating and saying, you know, which character is doing what. Because sometimes even when, you know, when it's a moving picture, it's hard to tell who is where because, you know, it's on video and it's black and white. and Or uh-huh. sometimes it's on film and it's not looking the greatest. So actually having Fraser Hines narrate and talk about, you know, Trask versus his old captain and how they're, you know, stabbing at each other and all that kind of stuff. I, I think I actually got a clearer picture of that part of the fight than I would have had I seen it happen. Uh-huh. Narration helps uh, in many cases. Um, I like that, well, two things. I like that uh, Algernon for Finch gets kind of a bit of a hero's arc. You know, he's sort of treated as kind of this this bumbling uh, officer who's sort of, you know, been promoted upwards for some odd reason, probably because he has like friends in high places. As somebody said on Twitter, it's quite possible he bought his commission. There we are. Mm -hmm. That too. Uh, and how we sort of think he's going to be, um, like he's not necessarily evil. He is sort of a member of the the villains in this story. But I kind of like how he kind of becomes a little bit of a hero. He sort of takes care of Solicitor Gray and earns Polly's respect. And he gives him, I think she, we, she gives him a kiss on the cheek, I think, or something like that, and sends him off. And so he kind of becomes a hero after all, though, which is kind of neat. Yeah, because, you know, as you say, he is sort of the villain, but he just he's on the other side in a war mm-hmm. if if for some reason the story had been told from the point of view of the redcoats of the english he would have been the hero at the beginning and a traitor at the end it's just it's all a matter of perspective so he um just poor guy like by the end he was just sort of overwrought but you could tell polly had completely charmed him by the mm-hmm. end you know as she says like the you know the he she asks him why why you did this and he said you know to to put a villain in his place you know mm-hmm. he he even though he's on the other side in the war he didn't like the fact that this guy um what was his name again gray gray yes that gray was basically breaking the law and sending people off into you know indentured servitude which might as well be slavery because mm-hmm. uh, it really was uh, and and yeah so he he definitely sticks to his code of honor but then she says that's not the only reason is it and he says no meaning basically I charmed you right yeah you charmed me mm-hmm. it's very sweet and innocent good old sweet and innocent doctor who love stories um I think it's interesting to see Troughton again uh sort of like for the first half of episode three sort of dressed up as the old woman 
Um, and then he sort of then he becomes in the first part of episode four. He's a red coat in disguise, and then he goes back to Doctor Von Ver. Very rarely is he actually good old proper the Doctor in this, and you can kind of get a feel that Troughton himself isn't quite sure of what the Doctor is to him and so he's kind of hiding behind other disguises until he sort of finds out himself well I can tell you what the doctor is not and that is humble <laughs> because there are at least a couple of different times in here where Polly says oh you're wonderful you're fantastic and each time he's like yes I am I know <laughs> which was an interesting uh I don't know interesting sort of take on the character I don't remember if that lasts but no, I don't think it does. Um, just like the, uh, I should like a hat like that is nearing the end of its very short life because he says it at least once. He says it in episode four uh, when Ben has a tam shanter on or something and, and Troughton says, I should like a hat like that. I think he said it in the first episode as yeah, well. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall that as well. Um, when he picks up uh, said tam o shanter, mm-hmm. I think in episode one he puts it on. So. So yeah, it's a, it'll be interesting to see how how long it takes Troughton to sort of settle down in the role and uh, become more comfortable, perhaps, with playing the hero. Well. Yep, it's it's always interesting to see the first story or two from a doctor. And I mean, back in this day and age, mm-hmm. they the first story that you see with a doctor is the first story that the doctor like you know that he was in. Uh, whereas later on, that's not the case anymore. Certainly not now. They usually, you know, shoot a middle of the season episode first to give the actor time to sort of settle into the role. And mm-hmm. that was not the way television worked back then. They were just doing it on the fly. So yeah, from week to week, you know, William Hartnell was the Doctor one week before, well, two weeks before they shot Power of the Daleks episode one. Like it was just like that kind of turnover in those days. It didn't really have time to sort of settle down and sort of. Mm-hmm gather how that's amazing isn't it because you know when when matt smith was announced for instance it was january 3rd 2009 he premieres he basically has his first full episode the 11th hour in april of 2010 uh and well before that he was cast so like there's like months of of consideration about him what he, kind of character is going to be before he, his castings even announced, and then it takes a long time for those scripts to be written, and you know it's it's a much more thought out process where kind of like Morton Dill and <laughs> and uh, Stephen Taylor as Peter Purvis in the Chase, uh, you know over three weeks he's being cast as a new companion. It's just a very it's a window into how TV was produced back then. It was factory television, really. Yeah, really was. Perhaps that's why it was all erased, and we have to watch telesnaps. Yep, but at least we have the telesnaps and the audio and the narration. Yeah, complete a picture as we can get. Um, we're nearing the end of our our telesnap run, thankfully, because uh, the next story has up uh, some poor telesnap reconstructions for episodes one and four uh admittedly so because the restoration team were told to do it this exact reason the exact way rather just sort of like just put telesnaps in order of how they were in relation to the audio Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it there's no opening or closing title sequence i haven't even watched them yet for the underwater menace underwater menace came on a dvd a long time ago now and I said to myself, I'm going to save this DVD 
until it's time for us to do Lazy Doctor Who. This is back when we were doing a little, a little more frequent, perhaps. Uh, I think our frequency has picked up a little bit more. So I'm looking forward to watching this because I've only seen a rough cut of episode two before it was properly restored. And so the first time I get to watch a good proper version of episode two, which is moving pictures, of course, will be with you for Lazy Doctor Who. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, we'll watch episode one, though. Uh, which will be some sort of telesnap recon uh, in our next episode of uh, Lazy Doctor Who. Yay. <laughs> now it's time to go to sleep. Yay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.